listening to the Progcast. Today we have a simple question for you. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. We started this episode with that one question. It took us to brothels, to Prague's best bars and clubs, to psychiatric clinics at Charles University, interviews over coffee, and finally to the familiar disappointment found within the endless swipes on Tinder. All to answer what we thought was a straightforward question. I'm Savannah Billman, and I'm Rachel Rustin. Welcome to today's episode, Love. Now, when you mention love in Prague, the first thing people think of isn't romantic walks along the Vltava or candlelit goulash dinners. Try Paris if you want to be swept off your feet. In Prague, you're much more likely to be encountering the seedier side of the love experience, prostitution. Since the fall of communism in 1989, Prague has been known for its adult entertainment scene, dubiously nicknamed the Stagnite Capital of Europe. Every year, thousands of tourists take to Prague's nighttime streets to drink cheap beer and visit its famous unregulated brothels, strip clubs, and massage parlors. Prostitution is legal in the Czech Republic, though brothels are not. But the law is rather ambiguous on the exact definitions. To explore this side of loving Prague ourselves, we decided to make like a tourist and visit a brothel. We decided on Club 161 for the simple reason that it was one of the few that didn't require a cover charge. Our goals were to talk to some customers there, or maybe even some of the girls working if we could manage it. But Club 161 turned out to be an entirely different experience than we had bargained for. To get there, we took a tram to a nearly deserted highway overpass. It was midnight, and there was nothing else around save for a few shuttered mini-markets and a large, semi-abandoned warehouse with red-painted windows. Of course, the brothel had to be located in the sketchiest of these places, the warehouse. But we weren't alone. Outside the door to the brothel, the bouncer and a blonde Czech girl were locked in a fierce argument, screaming at each other and pacing back and forth. It looked like they were inches away from a fight. But because they were speaking Czech, we had no idea what was going on. That made it more frightening. Was the fight going on inside as well? We waited across the street until the bouncer gave up and went back inside. The blonde girl didn't leave. She sat right outside the door, buried her head in her hands, and burst into tears. But a crying girl was better than a fighting one. So we gathered our courage and walked inside. The inside of the brothel was seedier than the outside. The entire place was underground, dimly lit, and packed with heavy-set men wearing all black and fearsome beards. The walls were painted with faded murals of screaming monsters and distorted human figures. To try and collect ourselves and figure out what to do, we sat at a back table and observed the scene before us. Though we had a male friend with us, we already looked out of place just because we were two women. The male to female ratio in the brothel was about 20 to 1, and everyone just looked drunk and angry. 
It took us a while to decide which table of men looked the most approachable. And once we had decided on our targets, two men wearing colored raincoats, they stood up to leave. We only had a few seconds to decide whether to pursue them or not. And we were already intensely uncomfortable anyways, so we decided to follow the two men out. We followed them out of the brothel, where they immediately got into a taxi. And none of us wanted to go back into Club 161, which was seeming more and more like a dead end and not like love at all. With nothing left to lose, we decided to hit the streets of Prague 1, the old town, where some of the city's busiest clubs are. If we couldn't find a way into Prague's brothel scene, we'd check out other nightlife instead. So, at 2 in the morning, we walked from bar to bar, asking Czechs and tourists alike, at all stages from sober to inebriated, this one question. What is the meaning of love? Love is like sex. Love is sex? Okay. <laughs> I know you would hear this. You yeah. don't know that. What about you? What is love to you? Can't answer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a full concept of... Confidence. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting somewhere. That, that and helps. Confidence and trust and all this. Yeah. <laughs> and asking everybody on the streets tonight one question. What is love to you? Yeah. For me, it's, you know, now when I'm happy and I'm feeling everything with friends, with food, with yeah. uh, my boyfriend. Friends, food, bowl, friends. I'm, I'm not a sport girl, so for me it's not a flower but it's a, it's a books or, or my lifestyle. Fire. Yeah. And what I'm, I want fire. what I think to be, what I, what I can to be, and my freedom. Okay. That's freedom. my freedom. Not with relationships or something like that, but that I can do what I want yeah. and what I love. And that's the love answer. Yeah. Hey, Why, not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. What is love for you? Really simple answer. Just give me a simple, simple answer. What is love for you? What is love for me? Mm -hmm. Nothing. Love is a burning thing. People weren't always so willing to speak on the record about love. A fiery ring. The Czech Republic is a formerly communist country. Before 1989, most aspects of love, sex, and sexuality were pretty taboo. I fell into a burning ring of fire. To get a sense of the bigger picture, we went to Charles University to speak to one of the country's leading sexologists, Peter Weiss. He's devoted many years to researching sexual norms and trends in the Czech Republic, a field which simply didn't exist under communist control. Sexuality or communication about these problems was taboo in the communistic regime because communistic regime as any other dictature is very conservative in sexual attitudes. First time in the Czech radio the word homosexuality was used in 86 in only in connection with AIDS epidemic. But after revolution Every magaz magazine, every radio, every television were full of the sexual themes. Is homosexuality still a taboo here? Well? Oh no. According to our researches of 
sexual attitudes of the Czech uh, society. When we compare it with the United States or Great Britain, France, Germany, we found out that Czech population is the most liberal towards uh, homosexuality. Why? Because Czech society is most secular, most atheistic society in the world, maybe. And we know that religion is the factor determining the conservativity of the sexual attitudes. What are some of the biggest trends in Czech society with relations to sex? First, liberalization after revolution. Second, much higher use of the effective contraception, hormonal contraception in women. Third, the decrease of the abortions. Fourth, decrease in the number of partners, decrease of so-called promiscuity. These are the main trends. We can say that the sexual behavior of Czech population after revolution is much more responsible and the attitudes are much more liberal. What about marriage and divorce? Do you find that Czechs have traditional attitudes towards marriage as well? Oh no, models of family are, are very different now comparing 30 years ago. Around half of the children in Czech Republic now are born in families who are not married. They live together in most cases, of course, but they are not married, the parents. There are a much higher rate of divorces. More than half of the marriages divorce. Children are raised in very different families, in two families of the divorce, parents, in one sex families, only with mothers, especially without fathers, or in the families where the same sex parents in transsexual families or homosexual and lesbian families. The models of Czech families in 2017 are very, very different. The choice is very rich. So Czech society doesn't see the high divorce rate as a social problem? Are people okay with that? I think some people are not okay with that and some people don't mind. Of course, it is much better to be rich and healthy than to be poor and ill. It would be also better when children would be raised in complete families. But the reality is different than our ideals are. That was sexologist Peter Weiss with some insights about sexual norms in the Czech Republic. As he pointed out, the Czech Republic is one of the most atheist countries in Europe and therefore one of the most liberal. Only 6% of Czechs reported being unsupportive of LGBTQ rights. What is it like identifying as gay in a country which has a reputation for being so tolerant? Zaya Lee met up with Czeslav Valik, a gay rights activist and the head of Prague Pride, to discuss his personal experiences here. Birds do it. Bees do it. Even educated... I was born in the Czech Republic, but it's on the Polish border. And um, because of the historical reason, we have a concept of minorities. So I'm Polish minority living in the Czech Republic. So 
and uh, but I was born in the Czech Republic, but grew up in the Polish language and then studied in Poland and so on. Yeah. You are openly gay, right? Yeah. In, in Czech Republic. Uh, so did you come out to your family? I did. You did. Uh, could you tell, like, when did you tell your family and come out? Sure, yeah, it took some time to me to realize that I'm gay and then to talk to my family. Because I'm from from Polish minority and I'm from small village, I think I had lots of uh, blocks within me. But it finally went out. I think I was 27 or something. Uh, I was already living in Prague, having my life here, so I wasn't depending on my uh, family. And I guess it was easier to just um, come and tell them. Although it, it, it also went gradually. First was my sister who knew, then my mother found out, and only after two years uh, my father found out. It was a big drama, but we are fine now. <laughs> so is it hard for you to tell them and like, to come out to your family since they are from like small town, you are from a small town? I think it's regardless hard to anyone, you know, it's like, uh, it doesn't really matter whether you are from the liberal uh, open family in the city or from small village, you just uh, tell to your family that you are different and that you are afraid that you are actually destroying their expectations and their dreams about you, so. Is it hard to find people who identify themselves as LGBTQ people in Prague? No, not at all. <laughs> not much at all? No, I, I, like Prague is a very open city and of course many gays and lesbians uh, are moving to Prague uh, from all, all over the country and Slovakia and Poland and so, because of course it's easier in big cities, you have infrastructure here, you have clubs, you have many uh, people. So. Uh, and Prague is open city. There is no violent attacks, physical attacks on uh, LGBT, and so on. so it's very easy. And I think also the LGBT civil society is very very vibrant and active compared to ten years ago. So you have websites where you can go and see whatever interest you have. You have a group for that. So um, I think it's very easy. What do you think that Prague or Czech Republic in general is different among the Eastern and Central European countries? Well, I think we are different in a positive way. When you look at uh, all researches, um, the Czechs are usually showing uh, or are on the top of the barometer when it comes to the uh, respect to LGBT people. That, as I said, we have very little physical attacks on LGBT. When you look at our Prague Pride, we have uh, on the parade 40,000 people, not many or basically none Eastern European uh, city has, has this. From the beginning, it was one of the most uh, happy prides in Eastern Europe. The atmosphere in the society is different. When I when I go to Poland, Slovakia, it's uh, it's totally different. That was broadcaster Zayao Lee speaking to gay rights activist Czeslav Valik. In a city so open and tolerant, it seems like no matter what your personal definition of love is, Prague has a space for you. So why do we at PragueCast still feel so lonely? 
In all of our travels around Prague, we found everything but our own special someone. So fellow podcaster Anastasia Muraviova turned to a millennial's favorite dating tool, Tinder. Her goal was simple, go on a date and talk about Czech dating culture. Many right swipes later, here's what she found out. At last. Dear Aunt Agatha, Remember when you told me that if I go abroad, I should only return if I have a European Union citizenship? Well, I'm really trying. I didn't think meeting Czech men would be difficult. I figured if I just lived lonely at a bar, at least someone would approach me. But apparently being young, pretty, and lonely just doesn't seem to cut it for these Czech men. So I did what any lonely, desperate young woman does when looking for an EU citizenship and signed up for Tinder. Now if you don't know what Tinder is, I'll break it down for you. It's basically an app where you swipe yes or no to potential dates or one night stands for most Tinder users simply based off of a few photos they decide to share on their profiles. So I began swiping full force and after swiping until my right thumb ached, I finally matched with a beautiful Danish soccer player. We threw around some silly banter and made plans to meet on the condition that we didn't tell people we met on Tinder. We decided that we would tell people that we locked eyes across Old Town Square and knew then that it was fate. If that isn't love, then I just don't know what is. After one too many Bekarovkas and what seemed like hours of me convincing Mr. Denmark that I'm worthy of an EU citizenship, he grabbed me by the hand and casually whispered in my ear that his hotel roommates were gone for the night. And it was in that moment I knew I needed to seek out the truth. Why do people use Tinder? After getting past that godforsaken hangover the next day, I quickly changed my Tinder bio to explicitly stating that I'm on Tinder for research purposes only. My matches weren't convinced. Some people joked around about being my research specimen. Some people asked me what I could possibly be researching on Tinder, while others simply ignored my messages and desperate pleas for help. Nobody seemed to actually want to talk to me about their Tinder habits. Even the men who agreed to meeting me backed out at the last minute. I don't even really use Tinder, they said. You're really like the only girl I've spoken to on here. Did that mean I was the only girl on Tinder in Prague? Or were these men simply just embarrassed of their Tinder habits? Seems like I'll never really know the answer, but until then, I'll keep looking for my European prince, just maybe not on Tinder. Yours truly, Anastasia. That was Anastasia Muraviova talking about her Tinder trials in Prague. So, what did we find out about love in Prague? Well, it was actually rather difficult to get people to talk openly with us about their own romantic experiences. Love appears to be just as sought after and elusive as anywhere else in the world. Thanks for sticking with us and listening to the Progcast. This episode was produced by Zayao Li, Anastasia Muraviova, Joseph Park, Yulia Skubij, and Olivia Kobayashi. And it was edited by Rob Cameron. I'm Savannah Billman. And I'm Rachel Rustin. Find the Progcast on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, and Tinder. I mean Twitter. From us at the Progcast, we hope you have an easier time finding love than we did. Join us again soon. <laughs>